1: It's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome into a late, what is this, Wednesday night, early Thursday morning edition of Judd's Hockey Show. Judd and A.J. Fredrickson with you. Four to two, the Wild goes into Colorado. Uh, If Colorado wins that game, they come out of that one in first place in the Central. But the Wild instead cements, solidifies its lead. They now have, what, 97 points. Uh, the Avalanche, 94. Of course, they are the defending Stanley Cup champions. And the Dallas Stars, 94. AJ, good evening to you. Um, You know what? That was damn impressive. And let's start with the continued brilliance of Philip Gustafson, man. What more can we say about this guy? I mean, that performance tonight... Uh, especially in the third period, was absolutely stand on your head incredible.
0: Judd, I'm gonna say it right now. I know uh I know people are probably still going to flip the coin either direction, but if game one is tomorrow night, I well, not not tomorrow night, I'm gonna give him a day off, but two days from now, game one of the playoffs, I'm giving the nod to Philip Gustafson. He's been consistently good against some of the best teams in the league. He just stopped 40. 40 41 shots against uh the avalanche reigning stanley cup champions one of these uh goals that he allowed was a breakaway to bone byram he played lights out uh, a few days back against the boston bruins the odds on favorite to win the stanley cup he's been consistently good putting up great numbers he's so sound in net um and you mentioned this during the game on twitter the way that he is um he's the perfect backboard for this team because nothing that is thrown his way ends up right in front of him. It's Mm -hmm. deflected to the corner. He kicks it out and it's back high uh, up in the zone. He is such a good backstop for this team right now. He's in such a zone that it's almost hard to not feel just like the wild have a very good chance to compete and win every single game that he's in net for. So um, right now I think he gets the nod for me personally over Mark Andre
1: Fleury. 42 saves, uh, including um, 18 in the third period when the Wild was outshot 19 to 4. So between the second and third period, I tweeted this. And I I think the third, I think uh, age, the third period's worth the discussion in and of itself. Uh, But what I tweeted between the second and third period was for 40 minutes, that was about as well as the as you can play i think in that building against a good team on the road and i know you know there were a ton of uh wild fans in ball arena you could hear them that's awesome but i mean just as far as going and playing a pretty damn potent team especially that first line i mean mckinnon who was held in check for really most of the game um but I thought that the first two periods were as textbook a- as you could possibly get. With the wild combining uh the one thing they didn't have last year, okay? What they did to me in the first two periods was they combined um, the speed to keep up with the abs. Now, are they as quick overall as the abs? I don't know. But they combined their speed, but they also used their toughness. And I don't mean being goons. Nothing like that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about How about the forecheck? How about in front of the net? The the TNT crew talked about that. Guys going to the net. Guys willing to pay the price. And as Aaron Berg says here, and he's exactly right, I wrote this in my notes during the first period, this felt like a playoff game. Like this Mm -hmm. had, to me, at least through the TV, not being there, this had the intensity of a playoff game. And I absolutely, through two periods, loved how the Wild approached it. Because it was a combination of um the avalanche's skill didn't daunt them, didn't prove daunting. But I thought the physicality and the willingness to pay the price in the Avalanche zone and really all over the ice gave you a feeling of this isn't just a playoff game, but like this is a playoff style that is sustainable from yeah, the wild's you, perspective.
0: Yes, yes. And you got that that feeling of that playoff atmosphere in the first five minutes or so. Um they mentioned the broadcast, you know, I flipped it on, I'm sitting down and immediately it's um i hear you know he's really physical really physical game thus far and i look up and there's only been a minute and 30 seconds that have elapsed but it was spot on uh the pace of the game was remarkable um i was a little nervous to see how the wild could maybe match that for how long and if they even could keep that style play up and like you said i think through two periods this team played about as good as any team can going into ball arena to take on that avalanche team um you're spot on with the physical play. It wasn't uh, what we've seen against some other teams that the wild have taken on, you know, in the past few weeks where it's like, you're just unnecessary hits. They're throwing the body. They're being aggressive on the four check. Nobody's shying away from a hit. You know, if if you commit to something, they're finishing their checks and that's exactly what you need. Um, And then, they weren't backing down from challenges. Uh, they have the size advantage, I think, on a lot of the defensemen. They Camel Carr, uh, Bowen Byram, fantastic skilled defensemen, great skaters, great puck handlers, but simply they're just not as well-sized as a Jake Middleton or, you know, Ryan Reeves dri- driving in the zone. He's simply stronger on his skates than those other guys. Um, using the weight to drive around, he had some, uh, Ryan Harman had a very nice night as well, but uh, yeah, the wild, they matched the abs uh, pace for two periods, and that's what I wanted. It dropped off in the third, and I, I that concerns me a bit with their style of play, and maybe that's something that will be addressed prior to the postseason. But uh, but no, two periods of I think about as good of hockey as they could have played.
1: I talked about the shots um, to your point about the third period, and the shots in the third period were uh, incredibly one sided, nineteen to four in favor of the abs. And, yeah, the third period is a different story. So I think in a playoff game, I understand that you're up by a couple goals, okay? And I understand that you you want to protect that lead, and I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. But I thought the Wild got too much away from what the style had been in the first two periods because of this age. I don't think they had been irresponsible. Like it's not like they were playing a high flying, oh man, you're crazy. This is nuts hockey game. I thought they were playing, I thought the first two periods, the first 40 minutes were incredibly um well played. I thought that they did a good job. I think the cautionary tale of the third and why it got dicey there. And and um the Av certainly got some help when that Spurgeon call was made because that was a terrible call. Talk talk about that in a second, because I've got a thought on that. But anyway, mm-hmm. um I did think the third period, I don't want to say it was disturbing because this is a nice win, and and they yes. did play really well. So it wasn't disturbing. But I do think when you go back and look at the tape, that can't be your approach. Like your approach can't be we are going into a uh, too high shell, Ed Donatel, uh, we're not going to get beat over the top. You know, it's got to be still, I think you've got you've to gotta maintain your identity. It can't be like we're going to stop the abs, your identity is, no, we're going to go head to head, and we're not. And I love the fact that they didn't necessarily play like the abs game. It wasn't like they, they came out and said, we're going to outpace you and outskate you. Mm-hmm. What they basically said is, your pace doesn't scare us, and we are going to be physical. We are going to be on, on you. And if I didn't like the third, conversely, age, and this is just the start of, of this, and you know, if these teams, if what we saw tonight is a uh, playoff preview, it could be great fun. But the one thing that I really like tonight is, and he still had a good game, but Nathan McKinnon, it felt like they were all over him. Yeah, And I think the only way to beat the Avs, because that first line, now, now Miko Rantanen had some great chances, and Gus stopped him a few times. I think he, he did hit a post or two. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that line is the line. Like, if, if you're going to lose to Colorado in the playoffs, it's largely going to be because of that line. Um, And I did sense that, and I did not see, I might be wrong here. I tried to watch it. I didn't see a particular matchup for uh, McKinnon. It appeared that the Wild was very comfortable rolling its lines for the most part. That being said, though, it did feel like they were in McKinnon's face a lot. And that's going to be what you have to do. But I like the fact that they're already setting that tone. Because when you play these teams, you know, you have to be, in my opinion, the one frustrating them not vice versa. It can't always be like, well, they were in Kaprizov's face and they were in, you know, last year Fiala's face. And that, no, it's your job to come back at their top players and do the same exact thing and frustrate them, as Chris says. Love frustrating their superstars. That's a thousand percent right. And I sort of sensed the seed has been planted mm-hmm. for, at least, for at least the start of that, you know, to hell with this. We don't, we, we respect what you can do to us. Nathan McKinnon, but because of that, we are going to be all over you. And I sort of sensed the start of that and I loved it.
0: Yeah, no, um, and he, he does what Kirill does for a lot of wild fans. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure like most people, I don't watch every single avalanche game. Like I do with the wild, but you know, Nathan McKinnon is a guy that He's won the Hart Trophy. He's been this prolific point scorer now for uh, the past few years. I mean, he even terrorized the Wild that first playoff season. Uh, <laughs> I want to say it was 2012, I believe, when he uh, came up, maybe 2013, 14. Um, but he has been this guy that you step on the ice and he immediately brings an impact. He's, he's been what Matt Boldy has been doing like this past month of March, where he's creating something every time he's on the ice. The wild did such a good job of recognizing, all right, he's on the ice. We have to, you're suffocating him. You're suffocating his play. You're, you're shutting down anything before it's able to like, he's not able to even get a spark going. So there's no chance of that fire to blossom and burn brighter. Um, They did a great job of just containing him as much as they can. And that's the thing. You can't stop him. It's you have to contain him. And they did a fantastic job tonight uh, for, uh, for 60 whole minutes
1: yeah, um, and, and just to update the uh, uh, standings as well, as we talked about off the top of the show, the Wilds in first place now in the Central Division with 97 points three ahead of Dallas, three ahead of Colorado. uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are the right now the number one seed in the Western Conference in the Pacific Division 98 points. The Kings have n- 96. in in other words, the uh the Wild, who has now played 75 games, uh is only one point behind possibly clinching the top seed. That top seed will play at wild card two right now. That would be the struggling Winnipeg Jets. There is a chance that they could be caught, however, by Calgary or Nashville. Uh, Seattle, three points up on the Jets. They are in first place, uh, or I'm sorry, they're in the first wild card position. So the division winner that's not the top seed will get that team. Um, let's continue to go down the guys that impressed us tonight um, yep. Dean's son, Frederick Rougeau. Uh, I've joked about it before. But two shorties tonight, the breakaway, which was which was a block by uh off of a block of a McKinnon shot by Brodeen. Brodeen, by the way, again, magnificent. I thought it was I thought it was uh um funny. The TNT crew, I think it was Kenny Albert, said, you know, Brodeen's had a nice game or a really good game. It's like, no, that's just his game. Mm-hmm. He's always that good. Um, but um certainly that was a nice play then by Goudreau, who beat Makar, basically turned him around a little bit, and that's yeah. a hell of a play. Mm-hmm. So he gets a breakaway shorthanded goal, and then, of course, uh, comes back to ice the game with Spurgeon in the box, a um, a length of the ice shot, shorthanded as well. Uh, Goudreau was great. The other guy I thought was great tonight, Sam Steele. Um, it is amazing when he only plays every once in a while, and I don't think it's necessarily because he's fresh. I think it's because he plays his ass off then. I feel like the more Sammy Steele plays, the more he's like, well, I belong here. So I'm still going to play hard, but not as hard. But he had a game. Was it the game in Calgary where somebody got hurt and he played? This is about a month ago. He hadn't that played it forever. That right. And he did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Just played a lights out, 60 minutes, you know, bang 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 type of game tonight the same exact thing and I mean they had guys Goudreau and Steele um, Hartman to your point who just played I thought just fantastic complete games and and they get you know rewarded with chances Hartman hit a post so there's certainly opportunities that come up but AJ, I'm convinced those opportunities come up because these guys worked their asses off. That's deal goal. The backhand goal is a thing of beauty. Yeah. But that's also why. Because he worked his ass off to create that shot. And so I thought that there were a lot of guys tonight who absolutely came out there and played fantastic. Now the question is, can you do that for an entire playoff series and mm-hmm. or entire playoff run? But if you can, um, I hate to get too roped in here, but it's hard not to be at least a little bit excited about the potential.
0: Oh yeah, yeah no, I, and I, I I'm going to get to that here in a second. But um, oh. the one the one guy who I want to just talk about really really quick, and it's t- it's weird because you just brought up Sam Steele, and like it, it, this it's two different guys because this guy's in the lineup every night, and you know what he brings, but he just continues every night, just impresses me. And, and honestly, I think the NHL does a disservice with the Norris Trophy award. I think you know where I'm going now just because it's it's become a – what defenseman has the most points? We're going to give yeah. it to them. It's They're not cautious. the best defenseman. Mm-hmm. But if it was, he's going to be up there every single time, Jonas Brodeen. Oh, yeah. He had like five blocks in the first seven minutes of the game. He's His stick is so active. There was a point um, late in the third. He is single-handedly fighting off three – Colorado Avalanche players, and killed about 45 seconds just in the corner alone. Takes a cross check from behind, which, granted, it could have been, it couldn't have been, eh, you know, whatever. Um, play needs to move, so I understand why they probably just let it go, but just possessed. He is so good defensively. He's such a rock for this team. We know what we missed when he was out injured. Now that he's back, I need him healthy because he is just so good back there. So reliable, he doesn't miss a beat. He's, he, he's a robot that's programmed to play defense and just throw great outlet passes up the ice.
1: It's, it's remarkable. Every time he's on the ice, I'm telling you, he is, and I have, uh, I've gotten a little bit of pushback on this tweet and statement, but I will continue to say it. He is the best NHL North stars or wild defenseman I've ever seen. Craig Hartsburg on the North stars was good, but he battled injury problems and he didn't stay healthy. Jonas Brodine, the best way I can describe it is this. The more that you watch him, he plays minimum a position and a half. Watch how he covers for Dumba or mm-hmm. anybody else. And I'm not even saying Dumba's playing bad now because he's not playing no. bad now. But to your point, you know, he is hit. He, and, and where we sell him short is he makes it look effortless. So we just take it for granted. Like we don't ever to, you know, three guys, right? But you got to really be watching that to be like, oh my God, he just fought off three guys. You're just like, well, yeah, that's Brodeen. Mm-hmm. He is the best defenseman I have ever seen on NHL ICE for the home team in this state. And I don't think, and look, Spurgeon's good too, okay? Spurgeon's mm-hmm. really good, but he's not as good. What Brodeen does is ridiculous. Absolutely. So you are a thousand percent right. And I got your problem solved. I got you. your problem solved. I was thinking about this today, the Norris Trophy, okay? Because Eric Carlson's going to um, probably push or get to 100 yeah. points. He plays for a non-playoff team in San Jose, but he's probably going to win the award. We need to create the Bobby Orr Award for the best offensive defenseman in a given season. That would yeah. be Eric Carlson. Mm-hmm. The Norris Trophy should go to the best defensive defenseman because it's ridiculous. The, the Norris Trophy should be in the – pantheon of national hockey league awards with the selkie trophy is the selkie trophy goes to the best forward yeah. so or I'm, I'm sorry the best defensive the you know the patrice yeah. bergeron type of forward and by and you know what patrice bergeron is probably a very good comp as a forward to what brodine is as a defenseman which is incredible and you take it for granted but um i think you're right and and i think that if you if you had the norris trophy go awarded to the best defenseman uh pure defenseman Brodeen would be a candidate every single season. Not saying he'd win it, but he would be a candidate every single season. I also saw um, a comment here on the side that I a- agree with. It said, don't forget to talk about the game of JoJo. Marcus Johansson again. Part of what I saw tonight from him, especially in the first period, I thought, AJ, but is... His acquisition, again, just continues to be incredible because this is a guy that when, you know, I thought, oh, his first time here, okay, he was okay at best. Um, But did you see the speed and what he could do? Well, like like the Wild is probably just man for man. The Wild probably does not have the speed Colorado does. But Marcus Johansson has such good speed and he is such a pure skater that he sort of offsets it. So like, like if you're out there and you're, and you're like, okay, the wild has X amount of forwards that can sort of slow the abs down and can forward check and can check really well, which they do. But johansson has got so much speed. Dude's got speed to burn mm-hmm. that, that, I mean, he brings so much against a team like this cause he's got that skill. And how about the pass that he made? So, so it was right before um, it was right before the bowl by uh, Byram goal. The pass that Johansson made on the shot, I think it was a Zuccarello shot, if I'm not mistaken, that got blocked. And that's the one that got turned towards Byram, who got the breakaway and scored to uh, tie the score at the time at 1-1. But that pass, so Johansson didn't have an angle to shoot, but he was basically right in front of the goal. And he made a backhanded pass that I think in tonight's game was only rivaled by the backhanded between the legs pass Erickson Eck made to Johansson um, or on the the first goal. Yeah. To Johansson. But his game in the first period was I thought absolutely phenomenal. Johansson's game. And I thought overall, I mean, he is in in a playoff series against these guys, health provided. He's going to be absolutely pivotal because what his speed does is it's at least somewhat of an equalizer.
0: Yeah. And Mike here says exactly what I was thinking while you were talking there. I, this, I, I, I don't remember him being this fast the last time around with the wild. It's a, uh, it, it's a different player. Maybe like he he's somehow found another level and maybe it's that he's uh, been given a certain role that he's able to do more within. And maybe it's that he's playing on a line with Matthew Boldy and those two have been uh, so good and now have that connection to where uh, we're talking about how, with Kirill's absence, they've become that new dynamic duo for the wild and just pr- uh, producing on a nightly basis. But yeah, his skating is just so well, it's you, you blink and he's blue line to blue line. It's incredible. And it's, yeah. I will say it as much as I love the Kirill around the world. I love when Johansson does it. He doesn't do it quite as well, but he, uh,
1: <laughs> he doesn't it, edge it, as well.
0: No, he but, skates
1: as um, yeah. Cause Kirk has got that weird phone booth thing. Like his, his edging, is incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. Johansson
1: doesn't have that, but he's got the speed. So he does the around the world thing well, but he can't cut on the dime. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the,
0: the passing was great. Um, just his vision surprises me at times. Cause I just, I forget that he has that in his, in his bag of tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, his shot is, you know, I think average to above average at times, but his passing has really, really surprised me and really impressed me because there's times where I'm like, all right, you're not Oh my God, you actually made that pass. Like, I, I appreciate you trying it. It's better that you completed it. Cause you see that with a lot of guys, the confidence of I could sneak it through there and then they actually do it. Whereas yeah. when they don't, you're like, why, why you're not that guy. You're not that player. He's able to be that player and he's able to thread the needle and find a guy across or if he, you know, eyes in the back of the head type of thing. So um, he, his play has really impressed me. I mean, it, there, there was only one thing in the first two periods and maybe this is on your notes. Maybe it's not um, that I had as a negative. And that was, why wasn't Matthew Boldy shooting the puck a couple more times in the first two periods? Cause I think he had a couple opportunities where I said,
1: why are, why are he you did. looking to pass there? He, he tried to sauce a backhand pass to Eric's neck that he should have shot mm-hmm. and it sauced and he got it uh, and, and it wouldn't settle down and Eck took a whack at the puck, but he missed it. Um, and I think the TNT crew brought that up as well. Yes. And that is something that look, I, I mean, it's very clear and I know Boldy took shots previously. Okay. I know his statistics say he took shots. But there's a difference between you just being credible with shots, and knowing where those shots are coming from. Um, I thought it was in- interesting that Dean Everson told the TNT crew that they basically do cut ups of Ovechkin, who who Dean was an assistant coach in Washington um, years ago with Ovechkin. And they do cut ups and show boldy Ovechkin clips. And they're like, look at what he does. Shoots the puck, right? Yeah. I don't disagree with you there. Uh, Matthew Boldy cannot get away from shooting, and I would far rather that they have to have a come-to-Jesus discussion of him dialing that back, which they won't. But my point is, I'm with you. In the playoffs, you need to shoot. And that's the thing is, with all of the traffic created now, when in doubt, shoot. Because guys are, I mean, the Wild did a marvelous job, of, especially in the first two periods again, of going to the net. So there's no harm in shooting. You don't need to score. Like What the, what this whole Kaprizov absence has done, I think, is proven. You don't need to score pretty goals. You don't no. need to be looking for the pretty goals. You know what? If Kirill scores them, awesome. But Kirill's the Kirill is the best player. You, he's your best player. Everybody else, do what you did tonight. Go to the net, create rebounds, create traffic. The puck goes off a guy's breezers or a skate, and guess what? If it goes in, it counts. I do I do see, AJ, that we are getting a bunch of questions about Kaprizov's return. Uh, the reports are that came out yesterday, or I should say this morning, that Kaprizov is going to skate this week, and they hope to get him back in the final week of the regular season. Uh, Ryan Reeves left the game a couple nights ago against Seattle in the third period. He did not play tonight. Um, it sounds like um, Brandon Duhame was sick non-COVID tonight, so he didn't play Goligoski then bumped up and played on the fourth line. I don't know what his ice time was. I felt it felt like I saw him a little bit more in the first two periods, not as much in the third. Um, but it sounds like I would guess Duhame's going to be back uh, probably Saturday. I think they play the Golden Knights, correct? Which will be a hell of a yeah. game now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Reeves, I don't know. Uh, but that one will probably, I would guess that he, I would guess that Reeves being Reeves, unless he's really hurt, won't be out for too long. Um Let's talk about the Spurgeon penalty call at the end. Yes. Less than a minute left. Completely butchered call, okay? And by the way, I am not on Team Dean. Every penalty you can't be disgusted about every single time. And now the cameras, he's got to be more he's got to be careful in the playoffs because every time the Wild is called for a penalty now, the cameras go to Dean and he looks like like, pardon my French somebody just peed in his cornflakes it's like, dude you can't be that like officials see that you've got to. You've got to, at times, if you're mad at your player, go talk to the player. But his whole thing of just looking disgusted by every call, but the Spurgeon call was brutal. It hit the puck, clearly hit the boards. Now it's a non reviewable play. Yeah. And I'm not in favor of a lot of more replay, but that's one where I would say could, should definitely be challengeable. But the other thing, and you brought this up off—I forget what you put, talked about off the last national telecast. Oh, I think it was la- I think it was ESPN's lack of a shot clock. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Which is a good point. Like they should just put like shot the shot counter, goal. like shots yes. on goal counter. Yes, mm-hmm. the shots on goal counter. E- ESPN. Somebody must have decided. Oh, we uh, all those don't tell the story of the game. But still, like just no. put them on the thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just briefly. So Brad Meyer is a former, former official. I don't know if Koharski has left TNT or what, and he, he's guilty of the same thing, but I guess Brad Meyer, a former NHL official made his debut. It sounded like on TNT tonight as the rules expert. If you are going to make excuses for the officials, just get rid of the rules guy. (laughs) Like he's like, well, the linesman's blocked out there and that's a tough one to see. Dude, no, you're there to say he butchered the call. Like, every time they would ask Brad Meyer, he's like, you know, the like, here's your job, official expert. Break down the play and then tell me why it's good or bad. Don't defend your buddies, okay? The Ericksonek interference call where he had his back turned and I think it was Cagliano ran into him. And they called interference mm-hmm. on eck. Let me see here. I, I, yeah, I took a ton of notes. I might as well look at my notes. Um, it was in the it was in the first period, okay? And that yep. created the four on four. But anyway, I don't even know, like that seemed like a questionable call, but I'm not even saying it was a terrible call. But break it down more. Give me the give me the give me what you've been told about that call. Not well, that's a tough situation, you know. So just a quick rant. <laughs> Brad Meyer, either do your job or, you know, your job is you weren't hired to defend your buddies. If you want to go drink beers with your friends and do something else, don't take the easy cash from TNT and don't like, oh, that's a tough one. He didn't see that. No, the Spurgeon thing was completely blown, and that's a big deal. If that happens in a playoff game, it's a huge deal. That was a potential game time goal there. So that just drives me crazy. People are going to make mistakes. I get that. That's a bad mistake, but I, you know, the of all the things that and I know everyone loves now, the rules official, if you're not going to rip the calls sometimes, just don't don't have the guy there. Just don't just get rid of him. And you can I mean, Ed Olchek can tell me it's a lousy call. Keith Jones can tell me it's a lousy call. I don't need Brad Meyer there to try and kiss ass with his official officiating <laughs> friends when I'm staying up till midnight to watch a really good hockey game. Eat stress-free this spring with Factor's delicious
0: ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready-to-eat in just two minutes. Tailored to your schedule, customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little you need. You can pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Factor is your solution for fast, premium meals without the need for cooking. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up those springtime goals. Head to Factormeals.com slash 50 and use code jud 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code jud 50 at Factormeals.com. Yeah, no, and well, I'm going to continue it here for a second, because on the broadcast, you could see in the bottom right hand corner, the linesman. He's standing right up at the blue line. He's got the perfect view in baseball. Who do you want making the call? The umpire that's got three fielders in front of him or the guy who's right on the line. I can see fair foul. I want the guy who's right on the boards. Hey, I saw that hit off the, the, the half right. wall, the dasher. It went up and out of play because it deflected off of that. Not the guy who's in the corner. He's, you know, he can't really see it. Oh, I can't really hear it. The place is rocking with a minute left to go. Wow. Believe it or not. Yeah. You didn't hear, you didn't hear it go off the boards. I want the guy who saw it with his own two eyes. How do you not converse? Because that's why there was a, a slight hesitation before making the call. Um, even, even the, the broadcast crew had no idea what was going on. It was like that i think that went off something uh we have an indication that it was deflected but the initial calls delay a game go over and talk to him you talk. you clearly can converse because that's what you did with the uh too many men call which i honestly was surprised didn't go uh didn't go the avalanche i was way. too but
1: i like but but you're right i love the conversation there yeah like at least if at least if that call was wrong they mm-hmm. all got together to discuss it. And you're right on in that call. You're telling me none of the three officials saw that puck? I don't care who's supposed to make the call. I'm with you. Just get Take, it right.
0: You just proved me five minutes ago that you can, yeah. in fact, have a quick meeting and make the call. Why not do it five minutes later when the game is even more on the line? It, do, it, doesn't, it didn't make any sense to me. It still doesn't make sense to me. Um, now we can end the rant. Okay. Well, I just
1: I, I I'm so tired of uh, of, <laughs> of of officiating experts on TV basically trying to carry the w- water for their friends. Um, I'm looking through the post game stuff here to see if there's anything um, coming out of the of, of the post game. Uh, Joe Smith, the Athletic tweets a quote from Ryan Hartman: "There were a hell of a lot of wild fans out there tonight." You know what? There are a lot of uh, transplants in Denver and Phoenix, and that helps a lot. But, um, yeah, I mean, this team is – got to be honest. I have struggled with this team all year. I have struggled because there were times when I'm like, this isn't really a playoff team. And then I'm like, well, they are, but they don't play hard enough. And the reality is this, age Right now, in their last 21 games, they are 16-1-4. and four. They're in first place. And I know the playoffs change things. Okay. And I know it's a reset and, and I've, I have to be very, very careful here. I'm not trying to be a downer, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But that being said, again, okay. The third period, I'd like them to be a little bit more aggressive tonight, but it's still a hell of a game. And the, the more I'm seeing now, and you know, it's 21 games is what they're doing. looks sustainable. Like there is a price to pay there, okay, um, no question about it. Like it's a tough style. Like they're playing a tough style, and and as much as it, it was fun to try them or to watch them uh, skate with with the abs at times, there's no question that they were also trying to uh, to to definitely play a, a heavier game, which I appreciated. Um, but the more I watch this man, I you know, if this is the identity that they're going to take, if this is what they're going to do. It's really hard to find a ton of flaws here. Um, I think there might have to be some tweaks here and there. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're gonna the third defensive pairing, for instance. So I'm yeah. talking about tweaks. Way I'm t- I'm not talking about high up tweaks. Um, you know, Krill comes back. He immediately gets plugged back on his line. That's awesome. Um, I would like to see more from Zuccarello. We've talked about that quite a bit. There, there are, there, he tends to disappear now too much for my taste, uh, but he still plays hard, I think. But, um, you know, the Klingberg experience scares me at times. How about that one at the end of the second period? He, I, I, I immediately
0: thought of you because you're like, oh, it's an adventure with him. Well, it's it was an adventure. You went on an adventure, you drifted
1: all the way to the outside, and all of a sudden, what's he doing? And, and, and like, he is, he sees them changing. And so, like, he is an instrumental – like, you are the last – you are literally, no pun intended, the last line of defense, right? Yeah. And, and like you said, and TNT, which I think does a great job, like, explaining things, shows him just sort of drifting off to the left, and now there's nobody in the middle of the ice, and it turns into a breakaway, and Gustafson saves your bacon, not once but twice. Um, But there's just a lot in your own zone. I, I don't know if you can get away with him playing all the time in the playoffs if that makes sense, especially when your depth chart, like that's the interesting thing. Your depth chart, uh, as far as your third defenseman, is going to include Johnny Merrill, who's been scratched more now lately, Um, Johnny Klingberg, John Klingberg, um, Kalen Addison, Brock Faber, who maybe will deserve to play. So like there are some questions here, but I guess my overall takeaway is a game like tonight does nothing to dissuade me from thinking that there is knocking on wood possibility for this team to win a first round playoff series. At least I mentioned this. Tell uh, me I'm wrong. I, I don't want to. I <laughs> no, but I mean, gonna... give me some, give me some facts that say like, you know, unless the gold thing goes in the tank, which it doesn't look like it's going to do. No, no, it, it, it doesn't. I, I was
0: talking uh, with Jason Stormer, artist woods yesterday on the score North taxi show or taxi squad podcast. And I was ta- kind of saying like for the all, entirety of this season, last year to this year i had that feeling last year you know you get that that special aura you turn on the game you're like i'm confident in the team and it was like kind of that storybook you get that movie feeling of like this could be it they're going to they're built uh, they made the trade at the deadline they got flurry they got all this stuff going in their favor momentum's at their back and all that stuff i'm not feeling it this year as this stretch this this 20 or so game stretch that you just mentioned i'm getting that and I'm gonna keep it PG because I know this is a family show, but I'm getting that tingle. I'm getting yeah.
1: that that tingle yeah. deep down inside of like, th- could they make a run here? Well, the deadline moves changed a lot of things oh, too, yeah. mm-hmm. big time. Because Jojo, Jojo, flying all over the place, and and I've seen I've seen rumblings about could this guy be scratched? I don't see it. I'm telling you, he doesn't stand out. But Sunquist. I think brings something, man. I think he brings what, I think he brings, you know, nobody ever asked Jordan Greenway to be a superstar. What they said is show up every night. Sunquist has playoff experience. He's got what a cup or two. He's got a cup. Uh, he, cause he won one with the blues and he just, he brings it every night. And that's, you know, that's what we saw tonight. For the most part, they yeah. brought it. And, and, and that's the most important thing in playoff hockey. Yes, you got to score some goals. Yes, you know, Caprissa will have to score uh, or or to your point, Boldy will have to score and you can only score if you shoot. All that's true. But you got to bring it every night. And those deadline deals picked up a lot of guys that are willing to bring it and I think that is that's the most important thing. Um oh, and by the way, uh uh, uh um on the TNT studio show between the sec- between the second and third period, Henrik Lanquist said, What I've been what I started, what I started to say two days ago, they're gonna play both goaltenders. They're not gonna choose one. No. Like, I think you're probably like with the way that he played tonight. If you play Colorado, yes, um, Gustafson will start. And he might play the first two games. I don't know. They're gonna play both guys, though. They're gonna play both guys because it works. Yeah, it, it does. You're you're absolutely right there. And those two guys are polar opposites, they will frustrate teams because. If you have a scouting report for for uh, Gustafson, here's what you're gonna do when Flurry plays, <laughs> you're gonna tear that scouting report up because nothing in it is going to apply. Everything is gonna change, and so between those two things, yeah. Great game. Oh, and by the way, before we go, so if you are looking to lose weight, let's say that you looked in the mirror and you said to yourself, you know what? Winter has taken its toll. And God knows winter takes its toll on all of us. Have I got the first star of the game? That's right. The first, second, and third star of weight loss. My friends at Livia Weight Control Centers. In fact, right now, if you join, first eight weeks are going to be for free. You talk about the first star. Eight weeks for free, and this program is going to help you get on track to not only drop the weight, but also keep the weight off. And that's the most important thing. If I can do it, you can do it. 855-GO-LIVIA, livia.com, dot com. Final thoughts, AJ. Like I said, I'm I'm getting a special
0: feeling. Um I don't know if it's uh, surmounting into true emotional distress or if it's, you know, full on belief quite yet, but uh, maybe by the next time that we talk, I will have a little bit better mindset on what we do. I'm excited for the next uh the next two games. What are they at Vegas back to
1: back, right? Yeah. That's yeah, that's going to gonna be two I, statement games. And as I said, as I said, they are now a point out of the top seed. You're a point out of the top seed. You're, a, you are, you've got, there is now potential. There is potential that the wild will get the second wild card. I'm not saying that's a cakewalk, but I am saying you're avoiding your, at that point in time, you're avoiding Dallas, you're avoiding Colorado. And, and here's the, so I still, as good as Jake Ottenger can be, AJ, I don't fear Dallas. Like Colorado would be tough. I'm not going to lie there. Um, now you beat them tonight. Good for you. That's awesome. Uh, Dallas would be tough. I don't fear them, but imagine this potential scenario. And of course you're going to have to do, if you're the wild, you're going to have to pull your weight here, but imagine that Dallas plays Colorado and they spend six games, seven games beating the crap out of each other. And let's say you got Winnipeg. Now, you'd have to work to beat them. I'm not saying that you don't. And if Connor Hellenbuck gets hot, it's tough. But they're an underachieving group of losers right now. Um wouldn't you love to get the winner of that first round series potentially? I'm getting way ahead of myself here between Dallas it. and Colorado Likewise. with with you know, with with the winner being beat up. I'd love to get Colorado beat up. I think that's the biggest thing is that it, I I've even last
0: year, I feel like if this if this team can just get past that first round, which has been it's been the the great wall for them, they just can't climb over it. You get these teams that are battered, and you get these teams that are worn down. And I I think based on the moves that Bill Guerin has made, what what was the thing that really just disrupted the the fan base that Anson Carter said on one of the broadcasts last year? This team didn't have depth, and everybody no. oh yeah blah blah. blah you know what they have? They have depth this year. We are talking about they're going to have two, three, four excess forwards that are regular players come playoff time. And, and if everyone's healthy, that's the key there. Right. But they have the depth to be a team that if you can get past that first round, oh boy, they are going to have some momentum at their back and they are going to be gritty. And it's just going to be line after line after line. Guys, going into the corners, being gritty, playing the game, like you said, that they played tonight. They didn't adjust to Colorado. They they went out there and they had their own identity, and that was the big thing tonight
1: for the win. Absolutely. Uh, Tulu says here, I believe once Kirill comes back, they will be unstoppable. Um, on that, they potentially will be if they don't watch Kirill. I think the one thing that we have seen with him out is there were a lot of guys, or I shouldn't say a lot, that's not fair. There were a few guys, and there was a tendency to watch them play. Don't watch them play anymore. Your job is to play the game yourself. That's our job. That's yeah. Our job is to watch and marvel at Mm -hmm. 97. But if you wear a wild sweater, your job is to not rely on him. It's not to watch him. In fact, I don't even want you to watch the shifts. What I want you to do is do your job. Think about how the level has changed with him out. Think about how how things have shifted with guys are, are like, oh, oh now he's gone. We have to pull our, our weight. And the marvelous thing is everyone is sort of pulling their weight for the most part in the way that they should. So like nobody was like, well, I, I get to replace karel Everybody said, no, we just have to work more. So I agree with Tulu's comment as long as they don't fall into the trap of watching caprice out play. All right. We have said enough for all of you who tuned in late, much appreciated. Um, it's been fun. Hopefully it will continue to be fun. Judd's Hockey Show will be churning these out with either AJ or Jesse Pierce or Declan Goff uh, quite a bit. And in fact, who knows, we might be all on at the same time at some point soon. We will talk to you soon. Appreciate it you watching have a great night and don't forget we got uh, purple daily and mackie and judd with a scoop session coming at you in the morning